This segment brought to you by Maine West Animal Hospital. Never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass, there's a real blade of grass. Be careful. Dog Talk with Dave McMahon on News Talk 610 CKTB. Welcome to Dog Talk, everyone. I'm Dave McMahon. Good evening to you. Happy Monday to all of you. Thanks for joining us once again. Uh, the program is brought to you by the Pet Food Outlet, the Maine West Animal Hospital, the Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital, and the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center. And those are the sponsors of the Dog Talk radio show. If you miss an episode, you know what to do. Check it out on Spotify, Dog Talk with Dave McMahon. You can listen to past interviews with me, uh, shooting the breeze with some very interesting guests, as always. You could go to the radio station website, which is 610cktb.com, and you could look at the archived uh, episodes of the Dog Talk radio show. So don't worry, you're not going to fall behind. Uh, please uh, welcome me in uh, joining my uh, joining. Uh, <laughs> let me start over again. <laughs> please welcome my guest, Dr. Philip Scott, Doctor of Veterinary of Medicine. There we go, Doctor Scott. Are you there? I am. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you very much uh, for joining us on the Dog Talk Radio Show. I want to mention that you are the author of The uh, Accidental Veterinarian and also the author of How to Examine a Wolverine. You got How it. How cool yep. is that? <laughs> <laughs> you, were, uh, you were born in Germany, from what I can understand. Yeah. Yeah. Born in Germany, uh, grew up in Saskatchewan, and now you're in Winnipeg? That's right. Yeah, been in Winnipeg thirty years actually now. So. Now, isn't the, isn't that where the the Guess Who is from? Winnipeg. You bet. Among many other great bands, but the Guess Who for sure. Yeah. Yes, I've never been to Winnipeg, but always, always I wanted to go. So it's it's definitely on my to do list. Well, there certainly is a lot of topics we want to kick around uh, on this evening's program. And again, thanks for thanks for being available to to join me on oh, the Dog welcome. Talk Show. Uh, let me just ask. Where did you go to university to become a doctor of veterinary of medicine? In Saskatoon, University of Saskatchewan, the Western College. All students from Western Canada go there or yeah. went there. There's one in Calgary now, too. Now, what would you say to a young person who is interested in becoming a veterinarian? Yeah. Uh, is there anything that you would warn them about or any words of advice that you could share with a person that's interested in becoming a veterinarian? <laughs> How much time have you got? <laughs> that's quite a list there. But you know, the number one thing, really the number one thing people get wrong about the profession is that it's actually a people profession that happens to involve animals, not the other way around. So obviously love of animals is the foundation. You got to have that. But you can't not like people, otherwise you won't have, because there's a lot of people that, you know, animal lovers may be a bit introverted and their whole world is their pets and they want to be veterinarians. You may be a great vet, but you're going to have a grief-stricken professional career if you can't communicate with your clients and can't empathize with them. So you've got to be a people person too. 
I think that's very accurate. I think you've hit the nail right on the head. Even with my career as a professional dog trainer, we are always having to educate the owners and work with the people. Um, we're not just playing with dogs all day. You know, people say you're a dog trainer. Gee, that must be nice. You could just deal with dogs and not have to put up with the people. Well, we have to put up with the people. We have to have patience with the owners and teach them. So definitely a career as a veterinarian or a trainer, you're working with the two-legged folks as well. And even sure. more so, yeah. as you said. Yeah, no, and that'll make or break you as far as the stress and the satisfaction of the job goes. If you can just deal with all the crazy people that come in. With and a you've smile got to like face. you've got to like school if you're going to go to. I mean, yes. uh, what is it? Nine? Did it take you nine years or seven years? Seven, altogether? seven, yeah, seven, seven years. Yeah. More and more people are specializing, but you can still come out with your DVM even as quick as six, but usually seven years of university. Now, are you strictly a small animal vet? I am. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of Winnipeg. You know, I, I joke that I'm more qualified to look at human children than I am, am at farm animals at this point. <laughs> so it's so totally different, farm animal, vet world versus the pet vet world. So I'm sure you've worked with a wide spectrum of animals, everything from uh, pet rats to uh, oh, yeah. Vietnamese pot pigs to you name it. Yeah, only one pot pig, but yeah, a range of like exotics too, like a giant Burmese python, like six meters, like 18 foot long python, needed four people to carry them in through to, you know, teensy tiny little mice. And um, <laughs> some of my colleagues see bees now, honeybees have become a thing because um, they require a veterinary prescription for their antibiotics because there was antibiotic abuse going on in the um, in that industry. So now vets have to go examine bees. I haven't done it yet. but So you're saying that, the, that many people are keeping bees as pets. No, no, we're talking about farm bees. You know, bees farm bees. Honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honey, honey bees. bees. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I mean, people are keeping rats and uh, mice yeah. as pets. <laughs> rats make great pets, by the way. Rats, if you're looking for a rodent type of pet, rat is my number one recommendation over and above hamsters and gerbils. <laughs> Smart, clean. Good to know. And we could probably <laughs> clicker train them as well. Oh, I'm sure they're very smart. Yeah, very intelligent. Now, I was reading your blog, and and I I, uh, I read something about that you once spayed a dog on a client's kitchen table. Can you talk to us about that, please? <laughs> I once almost did, almost did. So okay, this, yeah, yeah, no, no. This is in the Philippines. So we went on vacation. This is a number of years ago, on this really remote island. It was run by a kooky Australian woman. And she had all these beach dogs that she'd rounded up. You know, if you've ever been anywhere in the developing world, there are these beach dogs, right? In Mexico, yeah. Jamaica, it doesn't matter where you go, there's beach dogs. And yeah. she had a soft heart for them. And, but they, you know, they were reproducing and they were going to overrun the island. So she said, oh, yeah, just, you're, you're a vet. That's fantastic. You stay here for free if you spay my dogs. And we're on this island with no equipment. Oh, no, it's the Philippines. Doesn't matter. I can get whatever you want. Um, you know, you'd uh, bring in whatever equipment. I said, I still, you know, it's not going to be sterile. It's I, not feeling super comfortable. So I got her um, birth control pills for her dogs and sent those, <laughs> shipped those from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. Uh, let's, let's move to talking about dog flatulence. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which I know is a topic that you have wrote about and uh, you have spoke about and i mean it's natural right we all sure. fart i wish i would have asked producer greg Campagne to uh, to have some fart sound effects but it's not too late because <laughs> you'll be on with us for a while um so i mean 
what can you tell us about the dog flatulence? Educate us on dog yeah. farts 101, please, doctor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So lots of dogs fart, and um, they uh, they fart for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. A little different than humans, a little. So uh, they for gulping, because they gulp air, and because of fermentation. So when we fart, it's usually the fermentation part, not mm-hmm. the gulping part. But go- dogs, if you've got a lab or a beagle or any dog that really loves his chow, just watch him hoover that food up. He's swallowing a lot of air, and that air is going to work its way through the system. Dogs being horizontal rather than vertical, for us, it wants to come up and out. So we belch, right, if we eat too fast or we swallow a lot of air when we're eating. Dogs, they, they can belch, but not so often. That air moves through the back, picks up some poopy smell along the way, and heads out the anus. And so we get farting for that reason. Or the little short-nosed dogs, like the pugs, the Frenchies. The brachiocephalic the ones. Yeah. Yeah, the brachiocephalics, exactly. They are obligate mouth breathers. They have a hard time breathing through their nose the way nature intended them to breathe through their nose. So they breathe through their mouths more and swallow more air. So those tend to be fartier dogs. So that's the one category, the gulping of air. The other category is the fermentation. So when you eat something, particularly complex carbohydrates, if your digestive system is having a hard time breaking down, then those molecules move into the large bowel where the bacteria are happy to break them down for you. They ferment them and produce gas in the process, the same way yeast ferments um, barley malt to make the gas in your beer or the loft in a loaf of bread that comes from gas from fermentation. Same idea, and just picking up nasty poopy odors as it's coming out. So if you've got a really farty dog and you don't think they're gulping, change the food and look at the source of carbohydrates and try to change that up. And it's hit and miss. I can't predict for you what's going to, more successful than other things but much like with people like beans and peas and so forth they have more of those difficult to ferment carbohydrates in them Um, and dog farts are nasty right they're raunchy compared to human farts that's because they eat a much higher meat diet so maybe really heavy meat eating people have raunchy farts i don't know i don't want to comment on that but and that's this complex chemistry but there's sulfur compounds um, associated with the proteins in meat and um, and it just picks that up so you get that kind of sulfury nasty. Mm-hmm. One more little thing I'll tell you about dog farting if we have time. So sure. Dogs are talking about it. silent but deadly style, style right? Yes. So you know, suddenly there's that smell in your room in the room and everybody's like, Oh, it's the dog, right? You say yeah. <laughs> you make an excuse and point at the dog. But it's true, it's their anatomy. They don't have butt cheeks. Ours are noisy because we've got butt cheeks, and that creates a little passage for sound a little bit of vibrato a little i'm not a music apologist but there is that's how that works whereas dogs don't have butt cheeks so it's often silent wow dog farts 101 now i've got something to ask you um i'm an individual with an underactive thyroid okay so i'm on thyroid medication and i was told that uh, people with a, a you know bad thyroid for example can have digestive issues right mm-hmm. if a dog has a bad thyroid would this could this cause any digestive issues causing more farting or not necessarily <laughs> not necessarily yeah we don't okay. so dogs will get that hypothyroid or poor thyroid function d- disease as well tends to mostly show as skin problems and weight gain and sluggishness not so much with the digestion we don't tend to see that Terrific. Well, listen, we're going to take a short break. We are very excited to have you on today's program. Uh, So stick around, everyone. We want to hear some words from the sponsors. 
And uh, when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Philip Scott. He is a doctor, veterinary of medicine, and he is the author of The Accidental Veterinarian, also the author of How to Examine a Wolverine. We've got lots to talk about. He was born in Germany, grew up in Saskatchewan, living in Winnipeg. And I'm Dave the Dogman, the owner of Dave McMahon Dog Training in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. So stay with us. We've got more Dog Talk on 610 CKTV right after we hear this. Town problems in Niagara, but we do have a lift bridge up because of Seaway activity. The Carlton Street Bridge is up. We did have the Highway 21 out in Allenburg causing Highway 20 delays east of the 406 before, but that's no longer the case. Guess what, though? The best news is on the QEW Niagara bound, no delays from the Ford plant all the way through to Niagara. We do have some Toronto bound delays at Cawthra because of a crash in the left lane. So we're seeing some delays on the Niagara bound side there because of the visual distraction. A message from Canadian Blood Services. There's an immediate need for blood. Help meet patients' needs by booking and keeping your appointment. Book now at blood.ca. I'm Jody Thornton, 610 CKTB Time Saver Traffic, next in 15 minutes. It was nice to be able to enjoy our summer this year, wasn't it? I feel refreshed, energized, and ready to take on all the projects in the house. All of them? Don't worry, I've already called Cotton Inc. There's a bin coming tomorrow. Get your home renovations and yard cleanups done now before the weather turns. Cotton Inc. Environmental Services can provide you with prompt delivery and removal of your bin. Cotton Inc., a proud Niagara business for over 40 years. No hidden fees. Details at cottoninc.ca. It's always hard to kiss summer goodbye, but with pets at home... Hello, little buddy. Oh, you're so cute. It's a little easier. From jackets, leashes, special food and treats, stock up for the upcoming season at Pet Food Outlet. Settle in with a new bed for snuggling or new toys for that extra playtime. Go get it. Pet Food Outlet in Welland. Making pets and their people happy. Open Monday to Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 9 to 5, and Sunday, 10 to 5. 905-735-PETS. Pet Food Outlet, where pets are welcome and people are tolerated. Why do so many local pet parents entrust their cherished companions to Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital in Niagara Falls and Maine West Animal Hospital in Welland year after year? Simple. It's the way they treat their patients and the people who love them with dignity, respect, and the utmost compassion. Both vet clinics help make pet care affordable and offer financing to qualifying clients. Ticks are still out. Pick up your prevention today. Maine West Animal Hospital at mainwestvet.com, Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital at niagarafallsanimalhospital.com. The future looks bright and colorful thanks to Benjamin Moore, North America's favorite paint and color brand. Our retailers are independently owned businesses in your community offering unbeatable service. So shop local, shop Benjamin Moore, and make your future bright and colorful. This segment brought to you by Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital. Dog Talk with Dave McMahon on News Talk 610 CKTB. Welcome back to the Dog Talk radio show. Uh, We are in conversation with Dr. Philip Scott, who is a doctor veterinary of medicine. And we're going to be talking about the benefits of CBD oil for dogs. 
I want to get his opinion on dog parks. We have a lot of dog parks in Ontario. And uh, I want to ask him about raw dog food and get his opinion on that. Also, I'm hoping he's going to comment on something that he uh, wrote uh, regarding erectile dysfunction in ducks. So we're going to shift from dogs <laughs> to ducks. I don't know if we can do that. I mean, it's a dog talk. Ah, what the hell? We'll do it anyway. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Philip Scott. Are you there? I am. <laughs> right on. Uh, what was I going to ask you about that? We were going to talk about the freeze-dried oh. liver. Oh, yeah. I know that as a veterinarian that you're using the freeze-dried liver, but you have a little something-something uh, maybe you could share with our audience about the freeze-dried liver treats. And I think I read this either in your blog or your website, and I thought it was fantastic because our vet uh, does something quite similar. So can, can you go into that for me, please? <laughs> the freeze freeze-dried liver treat probably has revolutionized veterinary medicine more than any of the like technological innovations or the new drugs because we used to have terrible treats for um you know to try to calm the patient down and um get them to to connect to you and get them to be happy to come to the to the vet clinic so we use yeah we use basic freeze-dried liver there's a bunch of different brands uh, and um they you do it when you greet the dog, you know, get them to sit and greet and then um, and give them freeze-dried liver. But make sure you give it at um, at the end of the visit, too, very much like um, when you get that little mint at the end of a, a restaurant meal. You know, studies yeah. show that tips go up by 14%. <laughs> I think that's the figure <laughs> on average when you get just that little ridiculous little mint. But it's the, the end of an experience that sticks with you. Um, it's this called peak end phenomenon. The peak, the biggest thing that happened, okay, if it was something bad, well, not much you can do about that. But the end of the, as the end the visit on a high note, give the dog something that they really love and they all love liver. Like 90% of them love freeze-dried liver. Yeah, and I love that analogy of the receiving the mint, you know, at the end of uh, your meal with your check. You know, it's, uh, it's terrific. And, of course, in dog training, we always finish on a high note as well. And I like that you're the kind of vet that you're going to give the dog a treat when you give him a needle. You're associating this with positivity. Yeah. But in some ways, it's also a diversion technique, maybe. Yeah, no, absolutely. You just, there's no limit. I mean, other than you got to watch dogs that have digestive issues for sure. And you got to ask, are there allergies and so forth? But otherwise, I always joke with the clients, only the vet is allowed to spoil the dog. <laughs> you don't do this at home. Don't feed them a continuous stream of liver treats the way I'm doing it. But um, yeah. Well, as you know, uh, many people are going to CBD for mm -hmm. a variety of different reasons for their own health. And a lot of folks have gone to CBD for their dogs. And there's been so many different articles out. Uh, if you could take the time now to educate our listeners about maybe some of the benefits of CBD oil for dogs and maybe some important things that people need to know, uh, you know, ahead of time before they consider going this route uh, I know that uh, I've spoke to a couple of different veterinarians mm -hmm. and they've had dogs come into the office whereby the dog has ingested, you know, marijuana, the person's, the owner's pot, you know, the dog found the stash and dog come in very lethargic and, and sick. And of course we always say, just like with kids, if you're going to, if you're planning on smoking that stuff, you've got to keep it away from the, the, the toddlers and you've got to keep it away from your pets. And I think there's a lot of people out there that might be using CBD oil for their dogs. And I, I think they're just kind of freestyling it, freewheeling it, yeah. and maybe not using the right dosage. I'm sure you're aware of that as well. 
Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, I first became aware of this. It's been around, you know, a few years, but um, it's kind of obscure. And then just suddenly broke big about two, three years ago and I had a dog come in that was just glassy eyed and staggering. And it took a moment for the nickel to drop for me. And I said, you know, this dog is stoned. <laughs> just, yeah. And it turned out the owner had giving, been giving CBD oil. So here's the thing. So there's the difference between humans and dogs. This is one of the few areas where the veterinary grade is higher than the human grade. So human grade CBD oil has a tolerable amount of THC in it. So that active ingredient pot that makes you high. There's a certain people can tolerate it, not really feel it at a small amount. Dogs are super sensitive to it. So even a very small amount of THC contamination can make your dog even if not stoned, at least sluggish and dopey, and you don't want that. So right. talk to your veterinarian about a recommendation for a higher grade, a more pure, purified product. Because it is the Wild West out there. There are so many different brands of CBD oil. It's not regulated. Recent study looking at 14 over-the-counter, off-the-shelf kind of CBD oils. This was in the States, mind you. They um, found that none of the 40 had the stated amount of, of chemical cannabidiol, the CBD, the active ingredient in there. They either had none, a lot less, or a lot more. So talk to your vet about a recognized or a reputable brand because it's come, this is a rapidly emerging field. So every month there's more and more options. Where it's good, you can use it in four, there are four indications that we see. So epilepsy, and never as a standalone or rarely as a standalone, but as an adjunctive to allow you, so it's an add-on to allow you to get away with lower doses of the regular drugs pain relief for arthritis mild arthritis it could be okay as a standalone more severe arthritis you probably again using it adjunctively so something you add on to get to allow lower doses of the of the heavier duty drugs um, we use it for anxiety uh, phobias those sorts of things and there can be a standalone hit and miss right every dog's different every dog's phobia and anxiety i'm sure is a little different so there's really even in the drug world there's no one drug that works for all of them cbd is just another arrow in your quiver, something to try for your anxious dog. And then the fourth thing is nausea. So we do use it for nausea, not very frequently, but um, but it can be used. Like in humans, it's for, for cancer um, type of nausea, they'll use it. And from time to time, we'll use it in dogs for that as well. Yeah, yeah. So you're for it. You're for it if it's used mm -hmm. correctly. If, yep, used correctly and get the, um, get the pure stuff, okay? And don't go from the, you know, the the dude at the health food store giving his recommendation, you know, talk to your vet, please, because it's, um, it is, as I say, the wild west out there. It's not a regulated industry. Now, do you believe it's a long way off before we'll see University of Guelph, Ontario Veterinary College approving this um, and other veterinary universities? Do you think it's a long way off before no. that sort of give a prescription for this? No, it's, it's coming pretty quick. Like the science is expanding pretty rapidly. The, um, but it's not going to be, I mean, people, usually when these things come out, people view them as a kind of panacea. This is going to cure cancer. This is going to make my dog young again. No, <laughs> it's not a miracle. It's not magic. It's helpful for some patients, right? And so they, within, I'm sure within a couple of years, it's going to be pretty mainstream. Now, there is a product that is called Therabit Mellows. Have, are you familiar with that? Mm. It rings a distant bell. But... Yeah. So some of the veterinarians here in Ontario carry this Therabit Mellows, which is just a chew, you know, a chew for the dogs, like a, a biscuit. I'm not certain mm -hmm. what, exactly what's in it, but I just want to get your view on that. Yeah, That's okay. That you haven't heard product. of that one. There's so many different ones. 
It might have casein in it. So we're using this a lot as a non-pharmaceutical for anxious dogs. Casein is milk protein, and that has some calming properties. And there's a, a bunch of different brand names of um, products that contain casein. And that's that's proven effective. Um, now, and the other thing I was going to ask you about is how, what is your feeling on um, obedience class students of mine that might mm -hmm. be giving their dog um, some gravel uh, mm -hmm. to combat uh, car sickness yep. an hour prior to leaving for their obedience class? I mean, I tell people to desensitize the dog to the car, get him in the car every day, short rides, yep. you know, and, and frequency is going to be important to, to get him uh, immune to the stimuli of the, the motion of the vehicle. Yeah. Uh, but in addition to that, that's the behavior side of it. I wanted to get your, your view on uh, the gravel for dogs. Should, you know, of course, it'll depend on the weight or, or is it yeah. safe? What are your thoughts? Gravel is safe in dogs. Yeah, we um, frequently suggest it um, for motion sickness and actually also as a mild sedative. I don't know about sedating a dog for a training class, but that's such a no. great idea. But, um, yeah. Well, but, some of them are um, some of them are experiencing dogs, vomiting on the way in the car. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it it's commonly used and it's safe. And dog doses are actually shockingly high, so don't be alarmed when your veterinarian gives a you know recommends a dose that seems like it would be for you know a much larger individual for a human. It's 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 quite a bit higher per pound than it is for people. Um, there are for dogs that are really have really bad motion sickness. There are um, some really good prescription drugs too. There's one called Serenia that's it's really effective and doesn't have those sedating kind of side effects. As more and more people are seeking medication for themselves pertaining to anxiety and, and things of such, are, are you finding more pet owners coming in and uh, talking to you about getting the dog on Prozac or putting their dog mm -hmm. on anti-anxiety medications? Is there an increase in this, would you say, over the last few yeah. years? I think there's an increase in people seeking help for anxiety. They don't necessarily, I think most people don't necessarily want drugs as the first line. Like yeah. they don't bring that up. That comes up in the conversation as we go, okay, here are your options. Step one, step two, step three. But at some point, nothing else is working. Then we do certainly talk about anti-anxiety drugs, even if just to make, put the dog in a state where they're more open to the training that needs to happen, um, that they're not so worked up. But yeah, so I don't know whether anxiety is increasing in dogs or just I think it's more likely. I don't think that's happening. I think it's more likely that people are more sensitive to it and more aware that there are options. They don't just have to live with it. I want, I'd like to jump around a bit and cover some other topics. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back, continue our conversation with Dr. Philip Scott. He is a veterinarian the author of a couple of books, author of The Accidental Veterinarian, and another book that he wrote called How to Examine a Wolverine. I'm Dave McMahon, the owner of Dave McMahon Dog Training Academy. We'll take a short break. We'll come back with more dog talk right after these words. BDO, we don't judge a book by its cover. We know that debt can be a battle, but it's not the whole story. I'm Paul Anatyak, a licensed insolvency trustee at BDO. When you're feeling intimidated by debt, we can help you find a path forward. With one-on-one -on -one counseling, you can reach your goals and live debt-free. 
call us at 1-855-BDO-DEBT or visit bdodebt.ca to book a free consultation. Your next chapter is waiting. Let us help you write it. It's always hard to kiss summer goodbye, but with pets at home... Hello, little buddy. Oh, you're so cute. It's a little easier. From jackets, leashes, special food and treats, stock up for the upcoming season at Pet Food Outlet. Settle in with a new bed for snuggling or new toys for that extra playtime. Go get it. Pet Food Outlet in Welland. Making pets and their people happy. Open Monday to Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 9 to 5, and Sunday, 10 to 5. 905-735-PETS. Pet Food Outlet, where pets are welcome and people are tolerated do you have a senior pet is it harder for them to get in the car up on your bed or up the stairs if so the senior care program at the niagara canine conditioning center is right for your dog or cat all new senior care program patients in october will be entered into a draw for a free massage for more information on the senior care program call the niagara canine conditioning center at 289-362-5900 or visit their website at canineconditioningcenter.ca the Rennie Seniors Apartments, designed for seniors who want to live stylishly and independently. With the colder months ahead, it is the perfect time to make a move to worry-free living. Let's plan for a winter you can enjoy. Boutique-style seniors' apartments with full kitchens, five appliances, and an optional meal package for the days you don't feel like cooking. Stay active and social with building amenities, including a fitness room and a common room. Discover the Rennie today. Call 905-935-1800 or visit rennieapartments.com. for you no matter what the voice of niagara is news talk 610 cktv this segment brought to you by niagara canine conditioning center More Dog Talk with Dave McMahon. News Talk 610 CKTB. Welcome back to Dog Talk, everyone. Uh, For those of you that are just joining me now, I'm in conversation with Dr. Philip Scott, who is a veterinarian, and uh, we're having a good time jumping all over the map talking about dogs, and it's always fun on the Dog Talk radio show. Uh, Dr. Scott, dog parks. Have you got dog parks where mm-hmm. you are? You must. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Winnipeg is um, ever-expanding. More and more dog parks. There's a big demand for them. So as a professional trainer down here in Ontario, um, once the people become students of ours at the Dave McMahon Dog Academy, we actually discourage people from going to dog parks for a number of reasons. The one reason is there's no one there checking to see if the dogs have been vaccinated. Number two, I always tell the students, there's just simply too many variables. When you go to a dog park, it's like playing Russian roulette. Some of these tougher dogs, stronger dogs, dominant dogs, they pin a do- pin another dog down, use a lot of pressure, exert pressure on the dog. And that can really do something to the dog's psyche. Suddenly the owner of the the dog that was pinned down tells me that their dog's becoming reactive on a walk and starts to bark and growl at oncoming dogs. Whereas if he had never done that before, uh, I do believe myself uh, that uh, one single incident at a dog park can really revamp how a dog thinks toward other dogs. 
I don't know if you agree or disagree, but but what are your thoughts on dog parks? And do you believe that there are more cons than pros or the other way around? No, we're on the same page here, Dave. The um, So here's what I always tell clients. I don't know a single veterinarian. I'm pretty plugged into the, to the veterinary community. I've been doing this for 32 years. I don't know a single veterinarian that takes their own dog to a dog park. Right. Nobody does. <laughs> we just don't. I am so happy the, you said that. Le, a little less on the behavioral side, um, for and for sure, I agree with you that that's a, that's a risk. But and, but we're looking at the medical risks, just the number of injuries, and it's a lot of people that don't understand their own dogs. Oh, my dog is fine. He's good with other dogs. You don't really know that in many cases. Yes. Many of the people just don't know their dogs well enough to know what they're going to do in that kind of social situation. Like you say, it's Russian roulette, different mix every time, different mix of dogs. And then that that behavior changes when there's other dogs, different kinds of dogs around. He might have been fine on Thursday, but he's not fine on Friday because there's something that's stimulating him there to, to get more aggressive. And uh, now, I mean, we just see way too many injuries and... Um, and then, yeah, the infectious diseases and so forth as well. But the injuries are the big ones. And um, and I agree, the behavioral problems. So we, we discourage it, absolutely. Yeah, we teach our students at the academy, well, if you want your dog to have a friend, you have to pick your dog's friends carefully and only let, uh, you know, balanced, uh, sane dogs interact with other dogs. And even then you have to watch, too, with the size differences. If you have a young pup, you know, you know as well as I do, interacting with a heavier older dog. I mean, if it's a different weight class, you know, injuries happen. But um, I was curious to know if you had a lot of dog parks out your way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they're popular. There's demand for them. Um, <laughs> not to slam people. I'm sure that, you know, there's people that, that they have great experiences, right? They yes. love seeing their dogs have fun. Dogs are social creatures, as we know. That's all great. But some of it, sometimes I wonder it just to get them out of taking a walk with their dog <laughs> rather than the dog they can stand there and the dog is kind of exercising itself and i wonder yes. whether it's just a bit of a lazy out sometimes i hope i haven't insulted anybody by saying no that, but. no i mean your honesty is is much appreciated and and that's how i feel i just feel it's almost like a a cop out you know they can go there with their uh, with their coffee and tea and just let the dog run amok and uh just let the dog run around and uh, in, in place of perhaps, you know, taking their dog hiking in place of, you know, interactive things that they could be doing with their dog to induce the, the human to dog bond more, you know, doing some, you know, basic agility with their dog and attending obedience classes and just even working on training their dog to fetch with a long line, you know, and, and getting a good recall that way. Um, people seem to think that you know, taking the dog to the dog park is the truly the best way to socialize the dog. And I'm telling my students all the time, I want to see them socialize their dog to different environments. I want to see my students go to the Bass Pro Shop, a dog-friendly uh, store we have here in Niagara-on-the-Lake in Ontario, mm -hmm. and other stores as well. And take the dog in there and have the dog sit as a prerequisite to the staff petting the dog. And, you know, take the dog and acclimatize them to different terrain and different surfaces and different places you know people don't do enough environmental socialization with their dogs yeah no i agree need to do more of that your thoughts on raw dog food for dogs yeah so dogs often like it so if there's if your dog is a picky eater if there can be a positive that way there but it doesn't cure or resolve most of the issues that people think it does like if people feed it for allergies but allergies 
it doesn't matter whether the ingredient is cooked or, or raw, it's still the same ingredient as far as your immune system goes. So when people say, oh, I've cured the dog's allergies by feeding raw, it's because you've changed the ingredients. It's not because you didn't cook the food. So the problem with raw food is not so much from the dog's perspective. Most dogs do okay on it. It's a human health um, concern because dogs are actually quite resistant to salmonella and E. coli but they pass it through in their feces then. So this raw chicken, people say, oh, I'm really careful. I wear gloves or I wash my hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah, talking about yeah. that. I'm talking about the fact your dog is eating raw chicken and now it's pooping the salmonella out because you don't want to see the stats on the amount of contamination of salmonella on raw chicken. It's pooping it out. And what do dogs do with their butts? They lick their butts, then they lick you or they lick their fur and you pat the dog. So unless you're willing to wash your hands really thoroughly after every time you touch your dog or your dog goes near you, you probably shouldn't. And there have actually been some really good epidemiological studies looking at prevalence of raw food and prevalence of human digestive upsets, things that people call stomach flu. Maybe these things are passed from dogs with raw food on raw diets at times. Also, antibiotics in animal agriculture, we get resistant strains of E. coli and we see dogs on raw diets as one health issue that they potentially have are more likely to have resistant E. coli infections when they get urinary tract infections. The one, they don't get more infections, but the ones they do are more likely to be resistant. So bottom line is uh, I wouldn't. Um, there's too many, there are too many risks and not enough benefits. And the benefits are illusionary, let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing this with us. We'll take a short break. We'll continue our conversation with Dr. Philip Scott. He's a veterinarian. We'll be back right after this. This segment brought to you by Niagara Canine Conditioning Center. Still a problem-free drive in Niagara, except for the fact we still have that Carlton lift bridge up because of seaway activity, so expect some delays there. No other delays along the Welling Canal, though, and no other delays on the QEW. At least once you're past the Ford plant heading Niagara-bound, we have no slowdowns all the way through to Grimsby and even into Niagara region. Want to keep what matters safe and save for what matters? Cooperators offers holistic financial services and advice tailored to you. Cooperators, investing in your future together. I'm Jody Thornton, 610 CKTB Time Saver Traffic, next in 15 minutes. Do you have a senior pet? Is it harder for them to get in the car, up on your bed, or up the stairs? If so, the Senior Care Program at the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center is right for your dog or cat. All new Senior Care Program patients in October will be entered into a draw for a free massage. For more information on the Senior Care Program, call the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center at 289-362-5900 or visit their website at canineconditioningcenter.ca. It's always hard to kiss summer goodbye, but with pets at home... Hello, little buddy. Oh, you're so cute. It's a little easier. From jackets, leashes, special food and treats, stock up for the upcoming season at Pet Food Outlet. Settle in with a new bed for snuggling or new toys for that extra playtime. Go get it. Pet Food Outlet in Welland. Making pets and their people happy. Open Monday to Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 9 to 5, and Sunday, 10 to 5. 905-735-PETS. Pet Food Outlet, where pets are welcome and people are tolerated. 
Why do so many local pet parents entrust their cherished companions to Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital in Niagara Falls and Maine West Animal Hospital in Welland year after year? Simple. It's the way they treat their patients and the people who love them with dignity, respect, and the utmost compassion. Both vet clinics help make pet care affordable and offer financing to qualifying clients. Ticks are still out. Pick up your prevention today. Maine West Animal Hospital at MainWestVet.com, Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital at NiagaraFallsAnimalHospital.com. This segment brought to you by Niagara Canine Conditioning Center. More Dog Talk with Dave McMahon. News Talk 610 CKTB. Welcome back to Dog Talk, everyone. I'm in conversation with uh, Dr. Philip Scott, who is a veterinarian. And we're having a great time bouncing all over the map, talking about animals and dogs and fun things like that. Have have you, and I'm talking to everyone in the audience, have you ever thought about uh, erectile uh, dysfunction in ducks? <laughs> like, were you ever bored looking out the window going, geez, I wonder why there's erectile dysfunction in ducks? <laughs> Dr. Scott. Hi. Yeah. Why is there erectile dysfunction in ducks well this one particular duck so i'm in the city right so i don't normally see ducks but this fellow <laughs> was breeder of fancy ducks he had beautiful ducks and this was called an east indies ducks the whole duck was that shimmering green of a mallard's head you know that whole that the beautiful green color that's yes. the whole duck was like that except his bill was black his feet was black and his penis was black and this duck had had his penis protruded and then it got stuck out there, it stuck and swollen and was just sort of dangling there. So they took it to the large animal vet, the country vet, and did not get a compassionate response to this. Um, so he thought he'd try city vet. And so, yeah, I think, well, I mean, every creature deserves, um, you know, same level of, of compassion. So um, we tried, it essentially was just an accident, like a breeding accident, and it had gotten swollen because it sw- swelled, it got stuck, stuck out. So we tried a variety of things to get it to slip back into place, so to speak. And I'll be honest here and tell you, none of it worked, but it turned out that the duck was perfectly function, functional and happy. Um, he just couldn't be a stud duck anymore. Um, he just <laughs> gotta, he'd have his dangling penis, but he you know, was, lived his life and it was okay. And everyone decided, yeah, that's fine. We'll just keep an eye on things and make sure it doesn't, he doesn't get hurt. But the stud duck days were over. Now, if we can move, <laughs> that's great. We love being educated by you. Uh, now, if we move from uh, erectile dysfunction in ducks to erectile dysfunction in dogs, are you seeing much erectile dysfunction in dogs, primarily from uh, breeders who wish to use their males as stud dogs? And mm-hmm. uh, are you seeing much of that with male dogs? Not really. So here's a little uh, fun bit of anatomy. Dogs actually have a bone in their penis. There's a bone. You can see it on, say, Oz penis. You can see it on an x-ray. Um, there are people that, um, there are a number of animals that have bones, and there's, it's a hobby collecting those, these bones. Not my hobby, but people will, you'll see in museums, you'll see these collections that naturalists in the past collected all these weird bones from animals' penises. Wow. So if they don't have erectile dysfunction in that sense, they can get it up, so to speak. But certainly there are dogs that are unwilling breeders. Um, I had... 
a colleague come in a number of years ago and they wanted me to collect semen from it and nothing worked. Like this dog just good. We had the, the best teaser female there and everything was set up and she was in season. He should have been interested. And he was just not, not interested. At a certain point, they asked me to take my lab coat off. They thought that was putting him off too much of a clinical setting. I was like, take my lab coat off, but that's the last thing I'm taking off for this. <laughs> Honestly. Now, how about artificial insemination? Have you done a few? Yeah, years back. Um, you know, it's one of those more specialized things that I just never really got a big interest in. And so now, I mean, these, these are often for quite valuable animals and an important breeding program. So I send them to a colleague that does a lot more of them. Each of us has kind of got our niche. I do a lot of ultrasounds. That's my niche. Uh, but yeah, the AI, I, I gave that up years ago. Let's continue jumping around as we only have a few minutes left. I was going to ask you, when I was growing up, my mother had Great Danes and she would feed those Great Danes out of an elevated feeding stand. Mm -hmm. uh, and she said that this was going to, her breeder said, well, Doreen, you should do this because this will help with the digestion and perhaps prevent bloat, which uh, is common in Great Danes and many uh, mm -hmm. breeds of dogs with the long torso. Do you believe that that is true or false? Can f feeding dogs in an elevated feeding stand g uh, give better digestion? Yes or no? Uh, No-ish. So this brings us full circle um, to the okay. flatulence talk. So gulping, anything yeah. that can slow down the feeding. It doesn't have to be elevated. It can be some of the one of the slow feeding bowls will do the yes. same thing. There are they are great, aren't they? Those slow feeding bowls. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, they they really. I use it for my own dog. It really makes a difference. Or people sometimes just spread the kibble out over over a cookie sheet just to give them a little. Takes a little more time to hunt and peck and find them, uh, and get them. Um, but mm -hmm. elevated feeding like that, we only use it really for a very specific condition called megasophagus, where they need the gravity for the food to go down. Otherwise, I don't see a benefit other than slowing them down with the gulping. And there's other ways of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about brushing the teeth on the dog? Do you mm. think more and more pet owners are paying attention to the dental needs of the dogs and, and brushing their dog's teeth? Or do you believe that people are doing this more nowadays? They are, yeah. So so we've gone from, you know, when I started in practice 30 plus years ago, you get a lot of funny looks and laughs when you suggest brushing the dog's teeth. It's like you just suggested selling the, the cat a set of encyclopedias. It's just not something, seems like a very human thing. But, you know, teeth are part of them part of the system, right? You get disease and get an abscess in your mouth is no different than getting an abscess on your toe or your bum. Um, so it just, um, so it needs, it needs the same kind of attention. And um, if you start when they're young and take a slow, gentle approach, don't get too ambitious right off the hop. I, I see an enormous difference. And even just a little bit, sometimes people think, oh, I'm not doing it every day or I'm not doing it good enough. Every little bit helps. Aim for better, but every little bit helps. Yeah. Now, Dr. Scott, you would have really laughed uh, the one day we had a caller. We opened the phone lines every now and then, and we had a caller phone in, and he wanted to ask me. Now, generally, I'll take training and behavior questions. I didn't have a veterinarian on with me that particular day, but he asked me if uh, I would recommend getting the dog uh, circumcised at six months old or wait till he's a year. I said, you mean, you mean neutered, sir? Sir, you mean neutered? And he said circumcised, neutered, same thing, he says. I said, no, it's not, sir. I said, that much, hey, that much I do know. Yeah, no, not and the same thing. So when I told him he was using the wrong word, it was funny, his his response was, 
circumcised, neutered, it's all the same to me. He says, not really. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You know, is your is the the male is the 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 male dog's girlfriend going to say now that's looking a lot better now that you're <laughs> circumcised? There's more appeal there. You know? It's amazing how many people think we're doing vasectomies rather than neutering. They don't understand the difference, right? That we're actually going to remove the testicles. Now, what about the microscopic spays? Mm -hmm. You're doing a lot of them. So I'm not doing a lot of surgery personally. Again, more um, more focused on ultrasound in my practice these mm -hmm. days. Um, but some of my colleagues are, and um, yeah, the movement is towards just take out the ovaries. You don't have to take the whole uterus out anymore. Um, transition, um, new, some new, they've been doing that in Europe quite a bit longer, and uh, the data seems pretty reasonable that that's, um, that that's a safe and effective thing to do. Really appreciate you being on the program with us and taking the time out of your schedule tonight. It was a blast having a conversation with you. I got to tell you, I yeah, hope you'll fine. come back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Love to. You have yourself a doggone awesome night, Dr. Scott. You as well. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Take care. That was Dr. Philip Scott, Dr. Veterinary of Medicine, chatting with us about a wide range of uh, topics. We really appreciate having him on. He was born in Germany, grew up in Saskatchewan, lives and works in Winnipeg currently, uh, which is also the home of the Guess Who, and I love that band, seen them many times. They all grew up in the Winnipeg area, the boys from the Guess Who. Anyway, I want to let the listeners know about the upcoming dog obedience classes I have. We have group obedience classes starting in October. And we have, let me count, one, two, three, four, five, five different group obedience courses starting in October. If you want to join up, if you want to register for my dog obedience classes, please visit my website, this is davemcmahon.ca. So the website for the Dave McMahon Dog Academy is, once again, davemcmahon.ca. So it's Dave, M-C-M-A-H-O-N.ca. That's Dave, M-C-M-A-H-O-N.ca. All the start dates are on the website, my contact information, phone number, email, the prices, the address, everything you need to know, it's all there. I can teach you how to train your dog, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. We'll have a lot of fun when we're doing it. We always do. Once again, thank you to my guest, Dr. Philip Scott. It was a blast having him on. He's very, very uh, entertaining and educational to listen to. Thank you, the listener, for tuning in all the time. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and thank you to my awesome producer, Mr. Greg Campagna. Good night, everyone. I'm Dave McMahon. Talk to you next time. See you later. Jason